comes up there and it's different than what I'm reading, it's still the Word of God. It's just a different translation because Richard only told me in, in there that he asked me to read it. Uh, it's a reading from Luke, Luke chapter 24, and it's verses 13 to 35. I'll get to the last bit at the end. That same, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early in the morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen an angel who told them about that Jesus was alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. On mine, it's got a... I'll I'll read verse 35, because mine stops there. Then two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them, and as they were walking along the road, and how they recognised him as he was breaking bread. Is that all right? (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Gary. That's great. Let's pray together. Father God, as we look into your word this morning, we pray that we might have a a similar experience to those two on the way to Emmaus. 
that our eyes and our hearts might be opened to see you. That we might have that same burning experience of knowing that you are here amongst us and that you are risen from the dead. Speak to us, we pray this morning, through the power of your Holy Spirit working in every one of us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. They think it's all over. The older ones amongst us and those that uh, that follow football will recognize that phrase from the 1966 World Cup final. Kenneth Wollstoneholm uttered those words and England were winning 3-2. And he said, there's some people on the pitch. They think it's all over. And at that moment, Jeff Hurst scored the fourth goal and he added the words, it is now. Well, this morning, as uh, as we return to church two weeks after Easter, uh, we're picking up this idea, they think it's all over, because somebody said to me when they, they asked me, they said, what am I preaching on this week? And I told them I was preaching on uh, the Emmaus Road, and they said, well, isn't Easter finished with? Wasn't that a couple of weeks ago? And uh, I said, no, uh, we're in the season of Easter. And in the Easter story, there are many people who thought it was all over. You know, when Pilate had Jesus crucified, he thought that was it. He thought the problem had gone away, that it was all over. Even those that followed Jesus, Peter and the other disciples, when they saw Jesus dying on a cross, they thought it was all over. And of course, in the passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning, those two on the road to Emmaus, they were returning home because... They thought it was all over. And this morning we want to say, it's not. It's not all over. It continues. Jesus continues to give life, to bring life, and to offer us the hope of new life. So, we're going to be looking at people over the next few weeks who thought it was all over and found to their pleasant surprise that it wasn't. And the hope is that as we look at these people, that we might be able to identify with them. Because there may be people here this morning that think things are all over. You may be feeling that uh, things in your life are over and done with. And you might discover that amazing thing that Jesus wants to bring things back to life. Because that's what God does. The resurrection tells us that God can bring the dead back to life. They think it's all over. And we're going to journey uh, with these two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Luke is the only one uh, that records this encounter. The other Gospels don't uh, mention it. And uh, it's a great story. It's a story I'm sure that you're very familiar with. But it's a worth story that's worth exploring again and again because there is so much in it. And the first thing that I want to say, uh, I want to talk about a heartbreaking destination. For these two followers of Jesus, Emmaus was a heart 
breaking destination. We read that uh, on the same day, now on the same day, on the same day means this is resurrection day. This is the day that uh, some of the women had been to the tomb and discovered that the body wasn't there. They will mention that later on as they're talking to Jesus. This was the same day. This was resurrection day. But these two were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were leaving Jerusalem. They were leaving the other disciples and they were going back home. Because as far as they were concerned, it was over. It was finished. And it was a heartbreaking destination because maybe these two had been two people that had left things to follow Jesus. And there's a sense in which they were going back, uh, maybe with some shame and the fact that they thought that Jesus was going to be the one. They talk about the fact uh, we had hopes that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. In other words, hope was gone and they no longer hoped. As far as they were concerned, they thought that it was all over. It was a, a heartbreaking destination. Uh, they were going back uh, disillusioned, disappointed. As far as they were concerned, it was all over. One of the questions we might want to ask is, who are these two people that are travelling back to Emmaus? Well, we're told that one of them is called Cleopas. We're not told the identity of the other one. And of course, this uh, allows people to, uh, to fill in the blanks. And uh, lots of people fill in the blanks in all sorts of interesting ways. Uh, one person, uh, many people think that Cleopas might be the same uh, Cleopas that's mentioned uh, in John's Gospel, in John 19, uh, as they gathered around the cross, near the cross, Jesus, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, not spelt exactly the same, and Mary Magdalene. And some people think that uh, this was a husband and wife. Cleopas and Mary who were travelling back to Emmaus. Not only do we not know who the other uh, person who isn't mentioned is, we don't even know where Emmaus is. Uh, people argue about where Emmaus is, except that we're told that it was seven miles from uh, Jerusalem. So there's all sorts of things that we don't know. We're also told um, that, um, well, this is a, a quote from... Uh, my friend, uh, Philip Yancey, not really my friend, but uh, I've had my picture taken with him. He says this, I found that for many people there is a large gap between what they expect from their Christian faith and what they actually experience. From a steady diet of books, sermons and personal testimonies, all promising triumphant success, they learn to expect dramatic evidence of God working in lives. And if they do not see such evidence, they feel disappointed. These people going back to uh, Emmaus, uh, are not only disappointed, they are downcast because they think it's all over. So it was a heartbreaking destination, Emmaus. A heartbreaking destination because they thought it was all over. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. 
Interesting, isn't it? They were uh, kept from recognizing him. Uh, Gary, in the uh, American... Or the New Living Translation. Uh, if, you, if you noticed, if you're listening carefully to uh, when Gary uh, read, in that translation it actually says, it actually says that God, they've interpreted as God kept uh, them from recognizing. Not everybody agrees with that. And again, uh, we wonder, you know, how could they possibly not recognize Jesus? How could they? And people come up with all sorts of uh, interesting ideas. You know, from from the sun could have been shining in their eyes, and they couldn't have they, they couldn't quite recognise him. So the fact that maybe Jesus' appearance was somehow altered or different, it seems to be uh, in the resurrection appearances. They weren't the only people. You know, Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. Uh, the disciples uh, on a boat fishing when Jesus was on the shore uh, didn't recognise him until they had that fantastic catch. And it seems to be uh, part of the resurrection appearances. Um, that the disciples didn't at first uh, recognize Jesus. Maybe it was because they just weren't expecting. They'd seen Jesus die on a cross. Uh, They certainly weren't expecting him to see him three days later alive and well. Uh, But it does say that they were kept from recognizing him. And uh, it does seem to uh, suggest that this was something supernatural going on here, that there was a reason why these two were kept from recognizing Jesus. And it made me wonder, you know, these two people are downcast, they're disillusioned, they're disappointed, uh, their hearts have been broken, their hopes have gone, and they're walking back to Emmaus. And they are kept from just seeing Jesus as he walks alongside them. And I wonder, you know, have there been times in our lives when we've been kept from seeing Jesus? Walking alongside us in our disappointment, when our hopes have failed, have we been kept from recognizing that Jesus walks alongside us? One of the great things about this story is it tells us exactly that, that Jesus joins us on our journey. Even when it's our journey of disappointment and disillusion and heartbreak, Jesus walks alongside us. But sometimes we can't see him. It feels like he's not there. And some of us will know what that feels like. And maybe there are reasons why we are kept from recognizing Jesus, just as those two disciples. Because it seems to me uh, that it was important that Jesus was to have a conversation with them about the things that had happened. We might say, well, why didn't Jesus just say it's me? Jesus. Maybe it's because Jesus had a reason for waiting to reveal himself to the disciples. Maybe he needed to give them that explanation about what was happening because they certainly didn't know. There was a lot of confusion uh, their hearts had been broken. They were going back to Emmaus. They thought it was all over, and Jesus comes and walks alongside them. If you're going through a heartbreaking situation at this moment in time, know this, that even if you can't see him, even if you can't recognize him, Jesus walks alongside you. It was a heartbreaking destination But it was also a heart-searching conversation that Jesus needed to have with these two followers. 
He said to them, how foolish you are, how you are, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Might seem a little bit harsh. You know, these two people are heartbroken, and Jesus comes along and says, how foolish you are. Jesus says that in in response to what they have told him. I like the fact that when Jesus joins them and they don't recognize uh, who he is, they're deep in conversation. We're told that they're talking about the things that have just happened, i.e. Jesus' death, but also the fact that some people have been to the tomb and have found that the body isn't there, but the disappointment was that when the men went, they didn't find anything either. And uh, I like the way that Jesus says, you know, what are you talking about? And they tell him, and they say, are you the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things? And Jesus says, what things? As if he's got no idea. And of course, it isn't that Jesus hasn't got any idea. But what Jesus does is he draws out of them and allows them to tell their story. And it's so important when we've been through painful experiences that we are allowed to tell our story. Before somebody jumps in with a, a nice, neat remedy to solving all our problems because there is a temptation to do that isn't there to stop people before they've had a chance to tell us about the difficulties in their lives we want to jump in and say you know yes Jesus is the answer well I'm sure Jesus is the answer but it might not be what people need to hear at that moment in time they just might just be needed to allow to tell their story and Jesus does that he says what things and of course they speak about the fact that Jesus was handed over and uh, sentenced to death and crucified. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb, didn't find the body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the woman said, but they did not see him. How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Jesus is gently telling them that they haven't got it, that they haven't understood. And, you know, we would be foolish to think that we had got our theology, our doctrine, everything about Jesus, nice and neatly tied up. We need to have these theological discussions. We need to be engaging in talking about what the Bible says. Rather than just telling people, this is what the Bible says, as if there's no other way of interpreting it. Because the scary thing is, that all these people that had been following Jesus, listening to Jesus' teaching, listening to Jesus speaking about his death and the fact that he was going to rise after three days, they hadn't got it, they hadn't understood it. And Jesus says, you're foolish. And there's a sense in which we are foolish. We say foolish things. We do foolish things. We say foolish things about God. We make it sound very easy, don't we? You know, pray for somebody and they will be healed. Just like that. Ask God for anything and he'll give it you. Just like that. And we can make it sound so simple. And dare I say, even foolish. Because what Jesus goes on to speak about was that the Son of Man had to suffer. Some of us need to have a theology of suffering. 
Because that's what the Gospels seem to devote an awful lot of their time to, the fact that Jesus died, that he suffered, and yes, that he rose again. And sometimes we can be too quick to jump to resurrection and not really enter into the fact that Jesus suffered. And when we suffer, the danger is, is that we think there's something wrong. There's something unusual about that, that we shouldn't do it, that God shouldn't allow us to suffer. And it seems to me that suffering is part of the human parcel of life and that Christians are not excluded by from suffering we've already heard uh, the moving testimony of, of Julie about her mother and there's lots of other stories that we could hear about people that have suffered about people that have died and we mustn't dismiss that we must allow people time to tell their stories to be heard 